You are now listening to Homegirls Unite. Please do not listen to this podcast whilst cooking, cleaning or doing any childcare related activities. Sit back and enjoy your life. Hi. Are you, are you enjoying this? Are you enjoying? No, it's too hot. Do you know what, yeah? If it's too cold, we complain. If it's too hot, I we thought, complain. I went out, I thought the sun was going to fry me. <laughs> Upside down egg. <laughs> Guys, you don't understand yet. We, 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 so we were running. We we ran a bit later than we normally would. Yeah. So we ran at like nine. And then it was already like, what, 20 what degrees? 26. <laughs> 26 bloody degrees. Was it really 26? Yeah. I had, everyone wow. had to know what kind of heat I ran under. <laughs> and then after our first run, she was like, I don't even know my name. <laughs> Uh, you know what? When we finished the second run, my head was spinning. Like, I was seeing dots. I was like, this is how it's going to end. <laughs> 2020, this is it. Yeah, that finished Oh, me. my days. It was really hot. But oh, we made it. We, we did. Made it. We did. I'm very proud. I'm very proud. One more run left. We're like the majority of the way there. Yeah. yeah. Proud of us. How do you feel? I feel fucking great. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad. No one can chat to me, you know. You can't just come and talk to me because I can run now. I'll run from you. <laughs> like, you send Bolte out of here. Pew, 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 pew. But no, I, we did really well. And I hope you guys are still doing your challenges, you know. And I feel better in myself as well. Like, I feel like I can take on the world. I'm, I'm always ready to take on the world, to be honest, but I feel extra ready. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, so today we have... You know what? I'm actually really excited about this because I have my two favorite people. Um, I like how you did that. <laughs> I have my two best friends, best friend one, best friend two. I have Hannah here and then we have my other best friend, Sia. And I'm, fi- I'm really glad that Hannah and Sia have put their differences aside for me. <laughs> Not that there were basically, guys. She Sia got upset because during our first initial like episodes, I said that Yasin was my best friend, and Sia wanted to fight me. <laughs> and Yasin's enjoying. I was the, enjoying. The, I was like, you know, you, you know, we have to be friends. We all friends, you know. She's <laughs> a liar. She but, was like, yes, you know, guys. If you ever want to know anything about my life, if you want to write a book, these are the two people to come to. They know how many hairs are on my head. Barely, barely any. I'm encouraging her to grow. Yeah, I'm. I'm really ha- glad to be recording with you guys. And yes, so Sia and I met in uni on our first day of uni. We were both late to class, and then that's how we actually met. And um, yeah, I've been stuck with her since. <laughs> Yeah. Welcome, Sia. She's a Bristolian. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello, friends. 
I'm just trying to let's just clarify who's best friend one and who's best friend. Oh my god, I knew she was gonna do that. I knew it. <laughs> you lot are not you don't have to do that. No, now. I'm not doing it. I'm not don't embarrass me. No, I was lying. She said she would referee a fight. <laughs> She's exactly <laughs> I'm not doing it. It's it's you know it's a peaceful. It's a hot day. I don't need more heat in my life. So <laughs> let's just get to it. See, ya, introduce yourself for us. Hi guys. Um, my name is Sia. Obviously, you've said. Um, <laughs> um, I'm Sierra Leonean, and um, I'm an eldest daughter. I've got a little sister. Um, I have a background in sociology and I'm currently doing my MA in human rights and social justice. Um, yeah, that's me. Nice. Thank you for that sharp introduction. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we wanted to talk to you because you're doing your um, master's in human rights and um, what one of the things and um, social justice and one of the things that you touch up on is basically um, race, racism, ethnicity, Britishness and belonging, etc. So I think that's um, a topic that's quite, um, been at the forefront of our society and the conversation, especially these last couple of months. Um, so we thought it would be really nice to hear someone that's actually studying it and your own experience of um how it how belonging and britishness relates to you so yeah we wanted to talk to you about britishness and belonging and comparing that to being um being from sierra leone how do you balance the two so um if someone asks when someone asks you where are you from like what's your immediate risk like what's your reflex response um I'm usually like I'm Sierra Leonean but I think that's kind of more recently um being kind of more conscious about saying I'm Sierra Leonean um I think when I was younger um I wanted to fit in so much that I felt like oh but I've got a British passport I'm British I live here um so but I think like as I've got older, like I've obviously always known that I was Sierra Leonean, I was born there and stuff, but um, I think um, I just kind of wanted to fit in so much and assimilate so much that I was sort of claiming to be British before um, or British Sierra Leonean, but now I'm just like, I'm Sierra Leonean, like, yeah. So have you dropped that British-ness, um, like the identity, like the word maybe but maybe you still identify as it but you don't really attach it to when, yeah. when you're describing it yeah exactly I think um it's not attached to my identity um anymore I don't really know actually if it if it was ever really attached to my identity I think I kind of was sort of trying to make it sort of um align with my identity but I don't think it really ever was um so definitely now like it's not really um I don't see being British or Britishness as part of my identity. Maybe Black British to some extent. Maybe does it does it change depending on who asks you? Because I find that sometimes, like 
if it's another black person asking me, I can give him more specifics and be like, oh yeah, I'm from here. But I find that if I'm like at work and someone says, oh, where are you from? I'm always going to be like, oh yeah, South London. <laughs> like it's just like a, a more of a, a natural thing just because I think for me personally, it's just trying to assert that, yeah, I've, that I'm from here. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't take that away from me. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm denying my smiliness or any of that, but it's more just like, I don't know, I feel a type of way, especially when there's like a white person asking me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm, I don't know if it's the same yeah. for you. I think I think when um, a black person asks me where I'm from, I kind of just think um, they're asking so that it's sort of like a conversation starter between um, other black people sometimes. And I think it kind of just helps to create that connection to be like, oh, like, yeah, I'm from here as well. And then you kind of just, it's like a conversation starter. But when um, exactly. white people ask where you're from I always feel like there's a sense of you're not really from here so where exactly a sense of otherness so like um in the past I've definitely kind of approached that question in like a more defensive um from a more defensive kind of position of being like I'm British what do you mean um and like I would kind of wait for them to probe a bit further and be like uh but where your parents from or where Where are you really from? from um and then I'll be like, right, so that's what you're really trying to get to. Just to kind mm. of play with them a little bit. So I kind of used to do that before. But now I think even when a white person asks me, I'm just like, I'm from Sierra Leone. Because I know that's really what you want to know. <laughs> that's why you're asking. And also because like, um, Yasin mentioned that you're, you're from like Bristol. Mm-hmm. Did it, does that impact it as well? Like, because obviously in London, it's a completely different experience, right? There's yeah. like, and I know you've been here for a while now. So it's like very there's a lot of pockets of like black people Mm -hmm. but when I was living in Bristol for example it was like very small pockets Mm -hmm. and even then it felt like I don't know it was like a completely different experience Mm -hmm. um and and so how was it for you like growing up did you have a lot of black people around you was it Um, um, did you go to a school like a diverse school I actually um grew up in a small town outside Bristol city center Bristol city so um my the town I grew up in wasn't diverse at all like um I was the only black girl in the school actually (laughs) so um yeah it wasn't very diverse at all so I kind of really stood out and also because I moved to the UK um, when I was 11. So I started year seven having newly moved to the country. And so I was trying to find that whole, I was trying to find my feet in the country, trying to get to grips with the culture and also just like trying to, there was a lot of negotiating my identity going on in secondary school at the time, just because I was surrounded by white people, like no one that looks like me. I didn't have access to my culture so much, the culture that I grew up in. Um, so yeah, um, that that was a strange experience growing up there. In college, I then um, went to Bristol City um, for college and that was the first time I actually um, had black friends and actually started hanging out with black people. And I remember that period being really like, just kind of a bit refreshing for me. Um, Just like, oh my gosh, like I'm surrounded by people that like, not only look like me, but also kind of um, have a similar cultural background to me. We can sort of banter about the same things and laugh at similar jokes and like, 
comfortably eat the same food and like things like that. It was just like little things like that, that really, it seemed so small, but it was so kind of heightened at the time because it was just like, this is the first time in like five years or the first time since I've been in this country that I felt like this. That must have been so confusing for you, especially as like a young child coming from a place where everyone looks like you Mm. and then coming to a place where it's only you as only like black to me that's wild I don't know how you managed to navigate that at such a young age um did you have like because you know in in different places like for example um there wasn't a lot of Somalis in my school but I knew if I went Mm. to one particular area I could find them did you have Mm. that kind of uh, safety where you knew if you went here, you were going to be around other Sierra Leoneans or you'd be able to speak your language and and kind of move with a bit more ease, if you if you get what I mean. Um, I think I only found that when I was in London. So I um, would come to London for weekends, um, me and my family, like we'll come to London for weekends and see like um, other family members and stuff. And every time we came to London, I remember feeling like London felt almost like, a little bit closer to SL and like being in SL because I think I had access to the culture in London. Um, I had access to African culture, to Sierra Leonean culture. Um, I had access to the food. I had access to um, just like it was a different vibe, like being in London. It just felt like, okay, this is the closest to being in Sierra Leone I'm gonna get so every time we went back I remember feeling just like really down and having to adjust again to being um where we lived um outside Bristol so yeah that I think I think for me like being in London was like the closest to feeling like home I guess so I think that was definitely a major part of my decision making to um come to London for uni Nice. Um, you know your sister, mm-hmm. was she born here? Yeah, she was. So yeah. how is how was what's the difference between you two's identity? Does she identify more as here? I'm assuming because she doesn't really know this is all the home that she's known compared yeah. to how you grew up. And how do your parents or you try to kind of make her um not forget like where she's from? Um, she definitely, I think, identifies as being British and like this feels like home for her. Um, and because she was born here, she, she only really knows, um, the UK as, as being home for her. She's been to Sierra Leone when she was four. So, um, she doesn't really remember much. So, um, I think she definitely has a sense of feeling like, um, this is home for her. Whereas because I wasn't born here, I don't necessarily feel that way. Um, And also at home, we cook Sierra Leonean food, food, we speak Creole at home. And she doesn't speak Creole, she understands it, but she doesn't speak it. So sometimes I do feel like it can be a little bit um, alienating for her. Um, So, um, yeah, like... I think we try to get her to eat the food and like mum has tried to teach her a couple words in Creole. Um, <laughs> we, we, we're really happy about the fact that she at least understands it. Um, but it's a bit of a shame that like 
it feels like there's this kind of um I don't know there's just this sort of boundary I think with her and Sierra Leone just because um she hasn't been there um well since she's yeah she hasn't been there since she was four so um there's only so much of the of the country and the culture she can sort of relate to um so yeah well hopefully she'll learn another word soon (laughs) 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 sorry i mean i mean that in the nicest (laughs) i was gonna say why are you being shady (laughs) no she's got this shout out your sister (laughs) i think that's an experience for a lot of young um black british people of like not having access to their language a lot of them of course understand but it's like that kind of engagement yeah do you know what's actually wild i was thinking the other day because um my grandma um well our grandma our dad's mum she speaks like um the local language she doesn't speak creole she speaks like their traditional language and um what's it called it's called connor and okay. so she speaks Kono, but she doesn't speak Creole properly. Like she's she she sort sort of does, but not really. Um. So my sister can't communicate with her at all. So even if so, at least if she spoke Creole, like she could speak to my sister. My sister would understand it, but like she can't necessarily respond. But she might understand it. But she can't even say anything to my sister to get her to understand what she's saying. So it's just weird how like in a family like there's that language barrier that kind of even um it's like a it's a barrier to even building relationships with people in your family exactly exactly and it's definitely something that has come up with ours as well so because there's such a big gap between the oldest and like the youngest is like 18 years between the first and the last mm-hmm. is that my parents did really well to try to teach the first few of us and then they kind of just gave up <laughs> towards the end so like my two youngest at least they're like what 10 and 12 they can't speak it at all like the one who's 18 is trying now mm-hmm. but it's like that complete even within one family like like you said it's it's so hard and it's quite sad actually because I know they get frustrated as well when they can't understand yeah. and they can't speak back and it's it's quite hard for them and I'm just trying to teach them in a fun way now yeah. because they know all the command words they know like a brush your teeth and pick your pajamas on and they always say that I shout at them in Somali so I'm trying <laughs> to like change that and I'm being really conscious in making sure that I don't just shout at them <laughs> yeah because now they're gonna associate the language Exactly. <laughs> oh my god they're shouting she's shouting again <laughs> definitely um but for you so like when you moved to London how was it for you was it like a thing of were you just trying to engage and try to take in as much as you could or was it overwhelming like can you explain your experiences a bit more I think I was really enjoying it I was like really immersing myself into being in this like it feels like a black British hub in London like it very much feels like we've got our own like bubble in London compared to other places in the UK so I was really trying to immerse myself into that bubble of being like oh look I have access to African culture to Caribbean culture and like just um 
yeah, like going to events, going to festivals, going to like, like cooking more SL food easier. Like in Bristol, I think we used to eat SL food maybe once every few months when we can get it. <laughs> so yeah, I was going to ask that. Like, how did you get access? How did you access food? Um, we used to come to London and like sort of bulk buy stuff. And then um and then we found this one shop in Bristol City that um used to sell like little bits here and there. Um so we then started cooking um SL food a bit more regularly. N- not that regularly because it was still kind of far to get to Bristol, mm. but um but yeah, we, we would cook SL food a little bit more regularly than we used to before when we only used to get it from London. But even now, like it's a struggle. Like the other day I went home like a couple of weeks ago and my mum said she bought plantain three for three pounds. And I was like, Mum, oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> like no, that's rude. Um but yeah, like little things like that just kind of makes me feel like, oh my God, like we really do have it sweet in London. <laughs> but why why did your parents decide to move there? Um, do you know what? I actually don't know. <laughs> um, well, my dad was living in the UK before me and mum moved over. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he was already living there before we moved over. So we kind of just joined him. But I honestly don't know what was the main um reason behind him moving um there and also not even like living in Bristol but (laughs) outside Bristol I was really like sorry what is going on here but um but yeah and have you have you had conversations with your parents like was it ever a thing about you being the only black girl for example did they ever kind of prepare you for any of that stuff um I think they were really naive to um, some of the things that I might have to experience I think I'm like just generally I think they thought okay like we're um, living in a town that's not very diverse there's probably going to be some issues with race but I don't think they were fully um, prepared themselves for just some of the things that I might have to experience um, so therefore they couldn't really prepare me um, I think we were we were all kind of just like dealing with stuff as we went along and like learning stuff and like there were some things that I experienced at school that at the time it felt uncomfortable I felt like bothered by it but I didn't have the language to necessarily sort of articulate what I was feeling so um I couldn't really explain it to them I didn't talk to them about it much because I was like I don't know how to explain this without sounding mad (laughs) So, um, so yeah, there was a lot of things that I probably didn't really tell them. Um, I kind of only, we dealt with like the um, big stuff and like the overtly racist stuff, but like, I guess like all the little microaggressions, all the little other things that kind of come into play that you don't really know how to talk about. I was just, yeah, a bit kind of lost with talking to them about that stuff, I guess. How did you, like, deal with things like that personally? Like, since you couldn't talk to your parents, how were you able to, like, overcome them? Um, do you know, I think um, I was kind of just getting on with it. 
it's really weird to say like and like when I look back on it I'm like but how did I just manage to suppress those things but I sort of just suppressed them and just got on with it I was kind of just like oh like it is what it is like yeah I just kind of got on with it um has your sister ever spoke about going through anything like that she hasn't but I also don't think we've actually had like a proper conversation about race with her so much which is actually um, something that we should do. We should have done a while ago, but we haven't had like a proper conversation about race with her. But also, I guess um, for her, she's, um, she's, her school is a little bit more multicultural than my school was. So, and she's, she's also got black friends. So I think um, because of that, we kind of feel like she, 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 like, I don't know, her experience might just be a little bit more different to mine. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> um, so, Why are you giggling? I don't know. Whenever I'm, I'm about to do something wayward, I'm laughing it. <laughs> oh, I was like, should I step in and see her? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's not bad. I just wanted to go into um, dating and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> you see, I was gonna save you, and 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 I can still save you, sir, if you want. <laughs> Look who's ganging up on me now. Um, I'm trying not to say anything, man. <laughs> now it's free space, man. Say what you feel. Drag who you want, baby. Exactly. Drop <laughs> names. Um. So I was. I just wanted to see. Um. How much of cultural background and identity um plays a part in when like choosing who to date mm-hmm. and like does do you ever consider people like where they're from ex- like country wise and like their black britishness etc mm-hmm. when you're choosing a partner i think um cultural background is like a big thing for me actually because i feel like um whoever I'm dating, I kind of want to have that kind of um, connection with them in that way of, of like, I guess the familiarity of culture. So they don't necessarily have to be African, um, but I do want that kind of shared um, cultural background to some extent. And also, I think sometimes culture can even boil down to like simple things like just being able to laugh at the same type of jokes and like just feeling like I can completely be myself around you without having to explain certain parts of my identity or having to like constantly kind of justify why I do things the way I do. I kind of just want you to get it. So I think for me, that's like a big thing, which is why I've always um, kind of maybe only dated people that were, um black british or kind of like with some african or caribbean background um so yeah thank you um so going back to like when you visited sierra leone mm-hmm. how do you feel like your identity what identity are you giving there because what i found is when I'm here, when mm. I'm in England, I'm mm. I'm Gambian. 
But then when I'm in Gambia, they're all like, oh, look, it's the British girl. Mm. It's the Yorkshire girl. So I kind of mm. feel like I'm stuck in between I... two worlds. Like they don't want me and they don't, not like they don't want me, they don't identify me as them and they don't adv- identify me as them either. So I'm like a bit stuck. So yeah. how do you navigate? Do you feel like the same It happens with you? Yeah, 100%. Um, I think um, people in SL were even kind of, celebrating almost like they would almost celebrate people that were from abroad when you go back it was kind of like um so there's this thing it's called JC it means just come or just come um so like when you go back they'll call you JC and um it's not like a derogatory term it's almost like they're celebrating the fact that you're from abroad and I really kind of resent that because it just it makes me feel really othered and it makes me feel like, okay, I'm home and yet I'm being sort of um, viewed as like a foreigner. Um, And I think some people liked it. They liked the attention that they were getting for for being from abroad and stuff. But um, I resented the fact that I I was kind of being seen as like, an outsider somewhere that I considered home and um, I think that was one of the things that really got me to start thinking more about um, identity and like belonging. Um, I went to SL this past December for Christmas and um, while I was there it was just like wow so I've spent this whole time like in the UK kind of being like I'm Sierra Leonean and then I come home and they're like oh like you're British (laughs) so so, yeah so I then started thinking really hardly about that kind of displacement that other people might feel as well other people in like um, my position so that's why I decided to do my dissertation on that actually for the MA so um, yeah I don't I don't like the whole JC thing stop it yeah, I mean, we've got a similar word. There's like Qurbachog, and it means it? Yeah, those who are from Qurbachog. Oh. Um, so Qurba is like um, outside, and Chog is like those who stay or stay. Oh. Um, so yeah, would they and they would say that. And I remember one time some guy like made a joke, and he was like, "They're not Qurbachog, they're Qurbachefa, which means they're not from outside. They're not staying outside. They're laying outside, like they're they're shit." Yeah. And I remember another time, like some guy was like, "Oh, I heard girls from abroad are easy." And like they just have a completely different um view on us yeah. and like what we are and whatever and it was it was quite it was weird it's the same kind of thing of like oh so where is home mm. but um I wanted to kind of explore your dissertation a bit more so could you tell us like what it is about mm-hmm. and like what are you trying to research mm-hmm. so um my dissertation is on negotiating identity and the cultural ambiguity that um first and second generation immigrant young black adults anyway um kind of go through that process of negotiating your identity and cultural um identity so it's focused mainly on young black um adults um and yeah just like trying to see how much other people's experiences of negotiating their identity as either being british or their um, sort of diasporic identity and how they kind of um, merge those two identities together. Because sometimes it seems to me like those two can't sort of coexist. 
um, you kind of have to either be more, um, you kind of almost have to be more performative about one, I, one identity than the other. Um, but I feel like in our generation, though, um, we've done a really good job at merging the two, which is why I focused on young adults, because I feel like um, for our parents' generation, they've probably been more like um, their Sierra Leonean side rather than even trying to be British or claiming to be British. Whereas with our generation, I feel like we've done a really good job of like merging the two and creating our own identity, which is now black British identity. Um, and which I feel like black British identity is, is mainly made up of like African culture and Caribbean culture merged together. And I think um, we, we do a really good job at like celebrating both aspects of it, like through music, through um, food, through our events. So, um, so yeah, I kind of just wanted to see what other people's kind of take on this whole thing is and also what their process of, of like negotiating their identity has been. So, yeah. And do you think there's, there's, there's been an ease or it's easier now for us because we have no truth really. I feel like with our parents, they actually lived there. Mm. They kind of reached a certain age. Like my dad always says that he feels sorry for us because he came here when he was 30. He already had an identity, mm. like he had a sense of self and who mm. he was and like a sense of worth. Yeah. Whereas for us, he was like, oh, you guys were born here and you just faced racism literally since you came out of the summit. Mm. Um, and we've had to kind of like force our own way because like we said whenever you go back you're made to feel like you're not from there mm. whereas that wouldn't necessarily happen to our parents as much mm -hmm. um so do you think that plays a part in it do you think like from your research from mm. asking people has that kind of come up as a reason um I think from so far from doing the research it seems like because we've grown up in homes that were um, so heavily influenced by our diasporic culture anyway like like when I'm home my home feels like Sierra Leone in that home like everything about my home feels like SL so I think just naturally from growing up there like that has influenced so much of um, my identity and my culture that I think for other young people as well that I've spoken to, it seems like that's been the case. So it seemed like it was natural to then kind of merge that aspect of yourself with um, the aspects of Britishness that you have access to. So um, so it seems like it's been like a, a natural kind of um, way of creating a new identity. But I think to some extent, it is also like, it's been forced or we've been forced to create that identity because we don't see ourselves reflected in like um, mainstream British culture. So, and it seems like our identity is always sort of either misunderstood or kind of just been um, dismissed at some point. So it feels like we've had to create that identity so that we have like a space in which we feel like we belong and a space in which we feel like we're seen so um yeah in um in usually when gambian people have kids they always like send them back home <laughs> for like 
a year or maybe maximum one year. Mm-hmm. And when I was like a teenager, I was always like, hmm, that's a bit mad, like sending your child back. But now I feel like I would love to do that with my kids, like mm-hmm. just send them back to my mom, like just to soak in where they're actually from. I feel like even though my kids are going to be born here, yeah. Um, I, I kind of still want them to be Gambian. Like I want, I need people to know you're from Gambia. Like don't be telling, I don't know. I just, I just really feel that need for yeah. them to know where they're from. Yeah. So in, with that in mind, how do you feel like you'll raise your kids if you do have any in the future in regards to their identity and culture? I think my kids will 100% know that their mum is from Sierra Leone um, and that their... I don't know where their dad will be from. But... <laughs> but um, Speak it, baby. Speak it's it. important for me to instill um, my culture and like my identity into them and also some of the values that I grew up with. Um, I do want them to like... I don't want them to completely reject um, Britishness or or um, British identity because ultimately, like they they're going to be born here and they'll grow up here, and um, I don't want them to feel completely excluded to some aspects that they could have access to or might feel comfortable in. Um, but I will also be very kind of um I think it's important for me to instill instill my um Sierra Leonean identity and culture and values in them so yeah I think I'll try and do a bit of um negotiating between the two a little bit yeah Um, so that yeah I'm I'll definitely want them to have like a balance I think a bit of both bit yeah. of this bit of that and that's that's what I'm oh sorry Hannah I think there's like definitely no no it's fine going positive aspects of of um Britishness that um they could benefit from and also even with claiming to be Sierra Leonean there's some aspects of, of Sierra Leonean culture that I don't always um relate to or agree with um so and also when you go back home, you that's when you realise, oh, like, I'm claiming so hard to be Sierra Leonean, but there's some aspects of Sierra Leonean identity that I'm not so crazy about. So I think um, if there are any, like, positives of, like, um, our generation and, like, being in the position we are, it's the fact that we can almost sort of pick and choose positive bits from each culture that we feel like um we want to take on and like merge those together um rather than just kind of outrightly rejecting one side and picking up the other mm. and that's and that's something that I was thinking about and thinking about more I feel I feel like with us kind of getting married we may not marry so like obviously I'm married to a Ghanaian guy and it's that's a different conversation it's like oh what's our child going to be like and all of these questions mm. and I think to be honest it's just going to be more and more of this black British identity 
as a marker mm-hmm. um rather than like being like, oh I'm from here I'm from there and I think it's just going to get more blurred the more people like get married and you know mix up and all of that stuff so and because of the fact that we've already like was born and raised here Mm -hmm. they're then going to be born and raised they're going to be like twice removed from like their home countries I think definitely the black British marker is going to become something that's a bit more kind of common um but I just wanted to know like how have you been defining black Britishness when it comes to your dissertation and your research um well actually um, interesting you say that because um, most of the some well some of the things that have come out from from talking to people about Black British identity is how much Black British identity is heavily influenced by um, the dominant West African culture and dominant like Jamaican culture in particular. So like some people that have I've spoken to that are African but aren't West African feel like sometimes they feel excluded as well from from black Britishness and um, some Caribbean people that aren't like Jamaican feel sometimes excluded from the whole kind of um, idea of black Britishness because it's so heavily influenced by West African and Jamaican culture. So actually I was going to ask you, how do you feel um, about how, how, like, what do you think of that? Because like you're East African. So um do you sometimes feel like you're you feel excluded from black british culture or Mm, that's a that's an interesting question because I feel like it only really became evident for me when I was at uni Mm. um and the ACS Mm. (laughs) being around the ACS is literally like it's just Nigerians um mostly Mm. um so a lot of the times it was kind of like oh okay maybe there is something there um but I feel like the the when it becomes like a real issue for me is when there's all these like Twitter debates of like oh Somali's even black you're just like oh my god again we're doing this shit again (laughs) um that's when it kind of becomes a bit more like okay like you're being othered again in a in a group where you've you feel like you identify with um and that's been that's been quite hard but I try to just tend to ignore it because for me I'm like I know what I am Mm -hmm. um I've always been told that I'm black. <laughs> no one in my family has ever claimed Arab. So it's like, or Asian or whatever. But I feel like a lot of the time um, it is linked to Islamophobia as well. Mm. Um, because you don't have that kind of argument when it's like with Ethiopians and Eritreans who look very similar to Somalis. Mm. And it's like, why are you guys not out here debating if they're black or mm. not? And I feel like a lot of the time it's because like, we're linked to Islam, even in, regardless of the fact that obviously Ethiopia and Eritrea, they have like a 50-50 split. Mm. But it's like, because I feel with Somalis that being 99% Muslim mm-hmm. um, and, vis- and being visibly Muslim, that they just kind of automatically assume that you have more links with Arab people, or Arab countries. And it's mm-hmm. like, guys, let's let's not be obtuse here. It's, and I feel like sometimes we would just are being difficult and it goes back and forth and you know Somalis start saying spiteful things and then other people start saying spiteful things about Somalis and I just try to not get too involved Mm. um ultimately like with my partner and I a lot of the times what we did find is that we have a very shared experience being black British Mm. um and it didn't matter the fact that he wasn't Somali it was just like oh we both know what it feels like to be from neither there nor here. Mm-hmm. 
and having both grown up in South London and having like very kind of similar experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I try not to get too <laughs> too down about it. Yeah. Or else I start fighting people, you know, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I've had a couple of arguments and I was like, let me just retreat. <laughs> let me not do this. Um, but yeah. I think it is actually um, a conversation that needs to be had within our community as well about how we kind of exclude people um, from mm. black Britishness. Cause I think um, the exclusion of like other people that aren't like, um, of people that aren't West African or like Jamaican, but also even people sometimes that weren't born here feel that exclusion of be, like, um, well, I guess for me, for example, I'm a first generation immigrant. So um, I think sometimes there's there's that sort of exclusion as well of being like, mm. oh, because you weren't born here, um, you don't quite like understand black Britishness mm. or some of the challenges or something like that. I don't know. And it always seems like, oh, but you, you, you're more Sierra Leonean than than. British or than black British so I think we definitely do have ways of excluding people even within our community and I think that's also a conversation that needs to be had within our community because it's one Mm -hmm. thing for us to feel um feel alienated by um white British culture but also we need to deal with how we're sort of we're excluding other people within our community as well Mm-hmm. and for me it's funny because like I would never like exclude you from black Britishness but I'd always be like oh you're lucky mm-hmm. because you actually grew up in Sierra Leone and with Yasin like she actually grew up in Gambia mm-hmm. so it's like you have more of a claim to it mm-hmm. um you went to school there you learned like you because for me the language learning was just solely at home yeah. so my my vocabulary is very limited it was only when I went to uni that I started studying it for myself yeah. um, and I started to learn more like political vocab and like just being in the market like those kind of vocab that you wouldn't necessarily have access to yeah. having just learned it at home yeah. so for me it's always been like a, wow you guys are so lucky I've um, felt more like um I'm really happy that I got to experience kind of yeah. both um and I think I felt more so like that since um, my sister was born and seeing her grow up and, and mm-hmm. seeing how differently we relate to Sierra Leone and how differently we kind of think about um, our identity. I think mm-hmm. I've definitely become more so more grateful for the fact that I was born there and grew up there and actually remember my life there. Um, so yeah but growing up it was just a thing of I just want to fit in I, I don't mm. want to be the girl that just moved over from Africa <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> no, you're right you're right um and I guess it's just I feel like the more we have these conversations the more we learn and the easier it gets yeah. um and the more I don't know I feel like the more we benefit then because it feels like when we have these conversations and you realise just how similar we are, yeah. we're like, okay, how can we move forward as a community? Because I feel like with my parents, for example, more so my dad, but it's always been like, okay, save and send money back and we have to build a house there. And it's always been like this thought of going back there, mm-hmm. which has meant that they haven't had, they haven't built any like equity or anything here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, oh, that kind of is, 
quite upsetting as well because it's like you guys have nothing to pass on to yeah. us in terms of here yeah. so I feel like now that we're getting older we're having these conversations it's always going to be beneficial for us because it's like okay so how do we navigate that how do we build for ourselves here yeah. with their insight as well rather than how would we build there and kind of have a little thing here mm-hmm. um so yeah thank you so much for like doing this research and we're really looking forward to like you finishing it and sh- hopefully you can share it yeah I will I'll definitely share it once I finish I've really enjoyed doing it and I think it's just been like a nice way to really um to finish my MA and also to just kind of bring home a lot of the things that like I'm really interested in and like really um conversations that I've been having with people just like casually so to be like mm-hmm. an academic um piece on it is is really nice so yeah thank you thank you for joining us um we we really appreciate it and I'm glad no one got in a fight you know oh, shut up <laughs> <then>. <laughs> she wanted it she wanted the fight um so where where can people find you online well she's <laughs> gonna go write her bibliography now come on <laughs> no um i'm on but i don't really use my twitter much so um yeah maybe twitter is not really the best place for me but if you do want to follow me on twitter um i'm at sia underscore janey j-a-n-i-e and same on instagram at sia underscore j-a-n-i-e if any of you are looking for an sl babes you know (laughs) please <laughs> no, actually, do you know what we've been saying that we're going to be like um, well, in matchmaking. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Let's do it. We got bare buff babes that are here. Yeah, come yeah. on, come yeah. through. You know, we'll do this. Our finest babes out here. You know. <laughs> anyway, Sia, so yeah, thank you so much for joining thank us. So much. Thank you guys um, for having me. Also, yeah. I meant to say, like, I'm really proud of how you guys have been so dedicated with your run, one evening oh, run. Stop it. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, like, you've been really dedicated and, like, it's really inspiring to see. I think I lasted two weeks on my Chloe Ting challenge and I was like, nah, fam. Oh, mate, that's a different... You should um, kiss, you should see my, my irons. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, if you pass me and you think it's Beyonce, don't be mistaken, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how that's do you know what, yeah? Yasin gasses me. That's that's the only way we get through these rounds. <laughs> <laughs> you say but who? Right, you send us got nothing on us. He hasn't run in three years. Look at us every day, we're on the track. <laughs> anyway, we have another we have another call. Um so Thank you for joining us and we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Wow. And um, any last words? Um, be safe on these streets. <laughs> the cold world. We're all safe, yeah, we're all safe. safe. <laughs> your masks. There you go. Oh, yeah. She's doing the oh, government's yeah. job for them. <laughs> <laughs> a better job than Boris. Is it? 
Anyway, guys, thank you for joining us and catch you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye.